You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Many years ago, probably about a decade way before accessible yoga was a big thing, I had this idea to create a class called Yoga for Everyone. And I felt really proud of this name because it felt so inclusive. It really took the wind out of my sails when I mentioned this name to my guest from last week, Kaveri Weber. And she very wisely (laughs) told me that if you call it that, nobody will come. Because when you try to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. I did not end up using that class name. And her message really stuck with me. And it has been kind of a powerful sort of seed that was planted for learning about this topic that I'm going to share with you today. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to the Yoga Teacher Podcast, episode 14. This is a foundational episode that will help you understand the content of many of my other episodes. I was actually in the middle of creating an episode on email lists, and I realized that I really needed to make sure that you are clear on who you teach before you go making a bunch of content that's not going to be, have as much impact as it could otherwise. Finding your ideal yoga student is basically the same thing as choosing a niche, though I hope that this episode will expand your idea of what that word means. These days, we're all bombarded by more and more marketing messages than ever before. And it feels challenging to cut through the noise, to know what to focus on, and to know how to make our own voices be heard. If you pay attention, you will notice that you tend to focus on the people and the messages that you feel are speaking directly to you. People who understand your dreams, understand your problems, and are in a position to help you. If you try to speak to everyone, nobody will recognize themselves in your words, and you'll end up speaking to a much smaller audience and probably having less impact. You are not the right yoga teacher for every single person on the planet. I think we can probably agree on that. And there are probably some people that you are truly the best yoga teacher for. And those people probably have some things in common. We can't, you know, accurately calculate all the possible outcomes and factors that go into our ability to be of service in the world. But we can probably agree also that the more of those people who you are the best teacher for, or you are a really great, really effective teacher for, the more of those students that you reach, the more impact you're going to have. In addition to impact, I think there are five main, really important benefits to 
narrowing down your ideal student to choosing your niche. And I'm going to go over those now in no particular order because some of those are going to be more important for different people. Then I'm going to give you some ways to get started in choosing or refining a niche. And finally, I'll start to share some ideas about how to use this concept and this way of thinking to help you nurture your students and deepen your connection with your students. The first benefit of choosing a niche that I want to share with you, other than the one I already did with the impact, is focus. One of the biggest struggles I hear from yoga teachers is lack of focus and the feeling of running around all over the place. If this is you and you want more detailed information on that topic, please check out episode 10, which is called Overcome Overwhelm and Get Focused. It is one of my most popular episodes so far. When you have a niche, you, and I do touch on niche in that episode, but that was another reason why I realized I needed to do a whole episode on it. When you have a niche, you have more clarity about what actions to take in your business, so you spend less time spinning your wheels. Choosing a niche also, this is benefit number two, choosing a niche makes marketing easier and less stressful. Many yoga teachers, myself included for many, many years, struggle with marketing. We hate selling. We know how powerful yoga is and we wish everyone else knew too, but we aren't always sure exactly how to reach people, what words to use, what medium to use. When you have a niche, you do know what problem that yoga solves for your audience, for your ideal student. This allows you to speak in specifics rather than generalizing and specifics create a more powerful message. Having a niche also means that you know the avatar or sort of the composite person of your ideal student so that when you speak, when you create marketing, you can actually choose a person who represents your ideal client or you can create a composite person called an avatar. And so you can be speaking to one person at a time, basically, and that, that creates more compelling content also. In the marketing world, there's a really useful visualization of a red ocean versus a blue ocean. A red ocean is a niche that is super crowded with a ton of competition. So this would be like a really broad niche or a niche that is reaching the peak point of, it, of a trend, of being a trend. A blue ocean is a calm, peaceful, abundant place. This is the place where there are hardly any other of the proverbial fishes competing for the same food source. It's a really compelling analogy to me because I can imagine a red ocean littered with the carnage of competition versus the peaceful, wide blue ocean of the exact right niche. So the more conscious and specific you are about choosing your niche, the more time and help you get creating really the good, perfect fit for you, the more likely you are to be fishing in a blue ocean. The third benefit to choosing a appropriate niche for you 
is it can actually help you make space for your personal practice and self-care. When you know your niche, you can more easily evaluate opportunities to teach, and that can help you set boundaries around what opportunities to say yes to and what to pass on. Many yoga teachers are in the habit of always saying yes to teaching opportunities because you never know where it might lead. And this is great to do your first few years of teaching while you're gaining experience, especially if teaching opportunities are harder to come by in your area. But eventually, this leads to burnout. I have spoken to so many yoga teachers who feel burned out, tired, uninspired because they don't have a focus. So when you're clear on who you serve, it's easier to say no to opportunities that don't lead to your ideal student. And when you're more selective about the opportunities you say yes to, you have more time in your life to focus on your personal practice. And those opportunities, you know, you, you narrow them down to the ones that are going to lead or are just more likely to lead to where you're headed, where you're headed purposefully. The fourth benefit contains a secret, a secret that many yoga teachers don't always talk about. Um, but often we struggle with feelings of unworthiness, especially when we see other yoga teachers who seem more successful than we are, whether that's a reality or just our brains creating a story. When we create a specific niche, we get to focus on our strengths, and this helps us to build confidence. This helps us to focus on our own path and not compare ourselves so much to others. It also reduces our tendency to feel like we're in competition with other yoga teachers. So having a niche can actually help yoga teachers build community and really know how to support each other. Speaking of supporting each other, the fifth benefit of an appropriate niche is that this, if you know how to talk about what you do and who you do it for, you are much more likely to get other people, including yoga teachers and possibly health professionals, to refer students to you. As a general yoga teacher, it's kind of unlikely that another yoga teacher is going to tell one of their students, you really have to check out her class. But if you specialize, say you specialize in helping postpartum women heal and strengthen their bodies, then when a student shows up in a general class and, you know, shares with the teacher that they're postpartum and the teacher might not feel particularly knowledgeable about that area, they might get really excited to share your class with them. Now, these aren't all the reasons to choose a niche. I think there are even more benefits, but I think these are the ones that are most compelling for yoga teachers. I'll just recap them really quickly. Having a bigger impact, improving focus, making marketing easier, helping set boundaries and so that you can nourish your personal yoga practice, increasing confidence and community, and making it easier for people to refer to you. Usually when I work with yoga teachers on their business, we the first place we have to go is niche because if we don't get clear on that, we can spin our wheels a lot. And there's almost always a little bit of resistance to 
to choosing a niche because we don't want to exclude anyone. We don't want to limit ourselves and we definitely don't want to turn anybody off. It's important to be clear that choosing a niche is different from turning people away. We do allow people to self-select, but just because we market towards women doesn't mean that we have to turn men away if they show up at our classes unless we happen to be advertising a safe space for women only. If you're a 20-something who shows up at a senior class, maybe you want to go do yoga with your grandma, you're not, they're not going to tell you to leave because you're not the right demographic. They're not going to market to you, but they'll welcome you. So also, if your ideal client happens to be someone who does not feel comfortable or represented in a traditional yoga class setting, they may feel excluded if you don't specifically speak to them. So they may feel excluded by default and you have to mention them. You have to talk to them directly in order for them to feel welcome in your class. And I know that that's not how we wish it was, but that's the reality for a lot of people. The truth is also that no matter how hard you try, you are going to turn people off. So you can be the nicest person in the world and somebody's going to be annoyed by your niceness. So, you know, having the intention, I think this is a subconscious intention that most yoga teachers have. I know I notice it in myself. I don't, I want everybody to like me. I really do. And um, I want every student to like me. I want all my fellow teachers to like me. I'm not always sure how to make that happen, mostly because it's not going to happen. It's not possible. Something that's been helpful for me to do as a practice when I notice this is to focus on being authentic over being nice. That feels like the way that I can approach this with the most integrity. And when we are authentic, we do turn off a few more people than if we're being nice. But I think that when the people we turn on, we turn them on much more. It's the right people. We're connecting with the right people, the people who have the same hopes, dreams, desires, um, and ways of looking at the world as we do. So it's the people that we're most in a place to help. The other thing that is important to mention in this conversation is that everyone already has a niche. All yoga teachers have a niche, whether they realize it or not. Your niche will be determined unconsciously by the schedule of your classes, the cost and location, the level of physical exertion, and many other factors that are below the level of consciousness. So when we choose a niche unconsciously, we tend to choose niches that are broad and crowded, and that makes it harder to thrive. It's not impossible to thrive, but Somebody in a crowded niche is going to have to work harder and struggle more than if you choose a niche that is smaller, clearer, and really fits your strengths and interests. I hope when you consider all these factors that I've shared so far that you're starting to feel enthusiastic about the idea of getting clear on your ideal yoga student. The more specific you can get, the more easily your ideal student will be able to recognize themselves in what you say, and the more readily they will sign up for your offerings. If you have never thought about choosing an ideal student or a niche before, 
you can start just by jotting down the names of a few of your favorite students and seeing if you can figure out what they have in common. Also consider your past and your present egoic identities. These are the words that you might use to describe yourself, like mother, dancer, computer programmer. For most of us, it's also yoga teacher, but that one's maybe maybe not as helpful. Also think about what are the challenges that yoga has helped you overcome? I know that you have some, or you would not have decided to become a yoga teacher. Also remember that your niche or the idea of your ideal yoga student can and always will be a work in progress. It is not like a marriage where it's complicated or embarrassing to change your mind. So please don't overthink this. Pick something and plan on refining it. For example, if you notice that you tend to get similar feedback from your students about an aspect of your teaching, then you might use that to refine your niche. One misconception or kind of confusion that a lot of people have about niche is, especially yoga teachers, is that they think it's about what they teach, like a style. But I think it's way more helpful and way more powerful to think about who you teach. If your niche is about what you teach, then it's kind of less clear who's going to benefit and that whenever it's less clear, it makes it more about you and less about your student. And we want this to be about our students. We want our teaching to be about our students. We want our marketing to be about our students. We want our ideal students to be able to find us and have that feeling of, yes, this is the person I need to learn yoga from. This is the right fit. Once you have a general idea of who you want to work with, The next step is to actually talk to them and validate your ideas. One way to do this is to invite a few of your most dedicated students out for tea or coffee one-on-one and just be upfront with them that you want to pick their brain about why they like your classes and that you're hoping to find more people like them. People really appreciate honesty and they're generally thrilled to be able to help out their yoga teacher. The two most important things that you want to ferret out, and you can ask these in lots of different ways, is what problems does attending your class solve for them? And what goals does it help them achieve? So for example, for some people, they feel anxious. And after yoga, they feel uh, more calm and relaxed and confident. So the more information that you can gather about how they are thinking that yoga benefits them, the better. Because we all know that there's kind of a balance in our teaching between giving our students what they want and what we think they need. So knowing what they want and hearing their own words and their own language around what yoga does for them is really, really helpful for communicating with them. In addition to those important things, the the most important things, remember it's What problems are you helping them solve? What goals are you helping them achieve? You also want to learn what egoic labels do they use to describe themselves? How did they find you? What else are they into? Do they use social media? If so, what platforms do they spend time on? Or if they don't, where do they spend their time? Where do they get their information? The process of talking to real people may turn up some surprises, so keep your mind open and your ears perked for patterns that overlap between the people you talk to. 
As you start to gain clarity about why people are attending your classes, you can start to nurture them by consistently addressing their goals and desires in your teaching and in your offerings. In addition to talking to your students one-on-one, you can definitely just ask more generally kind of one little piece of these in conversations after class in any time that you can work it into a conversation that you're having. And you can even ask in the middle of class, just depending on kind of the tone and feel of your class. For example, I could see a class that it would be appropriate to ask the group, hey, what's one activity that you spend time on in your daily life that really impacts your body? And again, just a random example, you might find out that some of your students love gardening, but it makes their backs ache. Knowing that, you could not only incorporate exercises to help their backs feel better, but when you're doing it, reference gardening. Let them know that that's why you're, you know, teaching this pose. And that's, so that's a really simple example of how you can use this idea of niche to nurture the students that you already have. This is all just a really quick intro into the possibilities that open up when you get clear on your niche. So I hope it's sparking other ideas in your mind. Since choosing an ideal yoga student is a really individual process, I thought it would be helpful to share some examples. Next week's episode is going to be kind of an experiment. I am inviting a few yoga teachers to participate in online coaching calls with me focused on choosing or refining their niche. Those will be recorded and compiled into an episode so that you listeners get some examples. You can get a sense of kind of the more organic and individualized aspects of choosing a niche. The week after that will be the original episode that I started with, which is using your email list to nurture your students and fill your classes and events. Your action item for this week, I would love for you to write down who your ideal yoga student is and how you help them. Please, once you do that, come to the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group and share or ask for help if you're not sure if, you know, if you're kind of like landed on, if if you've just thrown something together and you'd love some feedback, bring it to the group. Or if you just want to share because it feels right for you, either way is good. On the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group, there are now almost 800 yoga teachers on that group, and many of them have decades of experience, and they are very happy to help you brainstorm and refine your thoughts around your niche. So if you are not a member yet, I would love to have you join. Just go to teachingyoga.net slash join. Okay, yoga teacher, that is it for this week. If there is just one thing that I would love for you to remember from this episode, it's that you already have a niche, whether you've chosen it by chance or on purpose. Choosing your niche on purpose is way more powerful, way more helpful. I really want you to find that blue ocean so that you can feel more energized and fulfilled by your teaching. I hope you will join me again next week for some real world examples of how to choose and refine your ideal student. Please have an amazing week and remember to take some time for your personal practice.